Hi, welcome to Around Town, where we seek to discover insights into places, events, topics, and issues that you want to know about in our great city. I'm your host, Nick Berkfeld, with producer Chuck Luck. Today, we will be talking with Jared Atkinson, the city manager for the city of Lubbock. Thanks so much for coming on today. Well, Nick, thank you. Appreciate the opportunity to be here. And Chuck, it's good to see you as well today. What's your connection to Lubbock? Well, I have the privilege to be serving as the city manager for the city of Lubbock, a position I've held since the end of 2016. For me, the opportunity to do this, very, very fortunate to have it. You know, I'll tell you part of why. Went to Texas Tech University, Master's of Public Administration. Way back in the dawn of time when I was doing that, one of our requirements to graduate was to serve an internship, and it needed to be with some form of a governmental unit. I'm like, okay, what do I need to do? I've got to do this. If I don't, I'm not going to get to graduate. Applied and was accepted actually at the city of Lubbock in the city council and city manager's office. Did that for a number of months, actually got to hold over after I had graduated to do some special projects that I had been assigned. Really the personal connection to this whole thing to me that so fortunate to have experienced. The gentleman that was my intern coordinator, a guy that many of you will know, and it's Mr. Bob Goodwin. Fast forward a large number of years, and I get the chance to come back, went through the recruitment, the competitive process selected by the city council, and now my chief of staff to run the city council office was Mr. Bob Goodwin. The man had been a great influence, not just on my career. I could name off 20 different people in city management throughout the state of Texas today that could all link back to Texas Tech and to Bob Goodwin. You've been the city manager since 2016, but you've had a relationship with this city for much longer. How do you think about the city of Lubbock and the people here? Truly enjoy and love the community that's here in Lubbock. Obviously, leaving in 1995, coming back in 2016, things had changed. Community had grown. We're not sitting too far away from this wonderful thing we call the Marsha Sharp Freeway. When I left, that was a cardboard model that was in the basement of the old city hall. At the time, it was called the Crosstown Freeway. Walk in as a bright-eyed intern and roaming around the building, and hey, what is that? Well, that's the Crosstown Freeway. That's neat. What's it do? When are we going to do it? All the standard questions. At the time, somewhat senior individuals said, just don't worry about that. That's going to be something that we'll probably never get to do. We ought to do it. We need to do it. It'd be great to do it. It's just not going to happen. For me, come back in 2016 full-time, permanently, and here it is. It's now called the Marcia Sharp Freeway. It's 99% what I remember of that cardboard model being down in the basement. One of the best benefits of Lubbock. We've got a welcoming community. We have a community that despite some pretty quick growth, we have grown significantly. And you track that back to about 2000. We lost our character. We lost our identity. We've had a prior mayor. Everything was food, fuel, fiber, small business, higher education. And I like to repeat that because he's right. That has not changed. The bigger we get, the more of that we get to see. And long as Lubbock maintains that, we're going to keep our character. We're going to keep being what we are. We've said at number 11 for a very long time. We're the 10th largest city in the state. And you'll see us start creeping up and leapfrogging over the rest. Before returning back to Lubbock, you had worked in city government in Amarillo, and were highly sought after here and recruited. How do you think about the two communities? What was it like coming from Amarillo to Lubbock? You know, the two communities are similar in many ways. The people, the welcoming nature, all of that is very, very similar. I would characterize two fundamental differences that we have here in Lubbock, two differences I hope we just continue to always push towards. First, the impact of our higher education community. 
right now during a fall and a spring semester in Lubbock, if we add up Texas Tech, Lubbock Christian, Wayland Baptist, and South Plains College, you're sitting at north of 50,000 higher education students in our community. There is not a way to replace that energy, that amount of money that goes through your economy, the opportunity. Of course, we've got a great pool that's sitting here every year that we're like, okay, you're about to graduate. How can we get you to stay? What opportunities are there? You just cannot replace that influence. And there's a lot of cities in Texas that can tell you the exact same. The second one, I've already mentioned it, transportation network. So the city of Lubbock embarked upon our first loop, Loop 289, fully enclosed, high-speed, controlled access, meets every definition of a state loop. We started on that in 1957. You can go back and look in some of the archives, like you would see with any very ambitious project. You had those that, yeah, that's it. Let's go. Let's build that loop. This is our future. We're going to move forward. You also had those that, yeah, well, do we really need it? Or if we need it, sure, maybe we need a quarter of it. Maybe we need a half. Maybe the right number is a third. You had all that gamut, but you had city leaders, 1957, that said, no, we need it. We need all of it. And it will be the underpinning of our future for 50 years. Obviously, they were correct. So we have that. We talked about the Marcia Sharp Freeway. That's huge. So when we somewhat glibly tell people, no, 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 you can be anywhere you need in Lubbock in 15 minutes. If you set it at a traffic light, maybe 16 or 17, but you can get there. Right now, city limits is a little over 143 square miles. And still that 15-minute remark holds largely true. I would suggest to you there is not another community this size in the state of Texas that can do that. It's not been cheap, not always been the popular answer, but it is a fundamental characteristic, a fundamental benefit. So fast forward now, coming up into the 20-teens, and everybody's, okay, what's next? We see the growth patterns in Lubbock. We see the curves. We know where traffic is slow and where it is fast. We realize farm-to-market roads are now major arterial streets through the community. It's not a hard question. We need another loop, which we have now started construction on Loop 88. So again, for a community of our size and certainly for a community in West Texas, having a complete closed high-speed loop already, having the equivalent of a freeway that comes right across our town on a diagonal, and now construction on our second loop, we're leading the pack with that. Loop 88 will not be built in five years. It'll not be built in 10 years. But every year, a segment of it is going to get laid down and finished. And then another segment, another segment. And that's going to benefit more than just Lubbock. We have our surrounding communities. Wolferth, Texas will be inside of Loop 88. And sometimes the maps might not recognize that. It'll pass right near shallow water. Over a long period of time, it's going to swing down and it's going to pass right outside of Slayton. It is going to build a complex here in West Texas, the likes of which don't exist today. By any metric, your time as city manager is undisputably one of an amazing track record. What is it that keeps you here in the city of Lubbock? First, there's not another place that interests me. To me, being a city manager is not seeking out, okay, I'm in the 10th largest. It's time to go to the 8th or the 6th or whatever. The end. I, no, that's not it. I am from West Texas, born in Pampa, Texas. I want to be in West Texas. We have opportunity here that doesn't exist anywhere else in West Texas where myself and my family want to be. When someone asks you what Lubbock is about, who's not from here, what do you say? I like to tell people Lubbock is the biggest small town that you'll ever be in that still can offer you all of the big town amenities. Look at what's happened recently, like in our food industries. We have the Cheesecake Factory. By their published metrics, we're not a big enough community to have a Cheesecake Factory. Yet y'all likely remember when that opened, and we basically had a 90-day traffic jam coming southbound on slide to work through. 
kind of inconvenient if you were stuck in it, but you talk about a neat problem to have. That's kind of fun. Um, remember when Lubbock opened the world's largest Brahms store? We had the same challenge there. And then roll a little bit further and we open a new grocery store and we have the same challenge with that. I make light of it, but the takeaway to that is our residents in Lubbock and our visitors to Lubbock. Don't leave them out. It's their willingness and their desire to embrace and to support the community. Those are just three examples we could go on. That's what I like about it. We've got all the opportunity. We have the small town feel. We have the most welcoming people, and we've got so much to do. There's so much culture here. There's so much music, the origination of so much music. Everything's here for the taking. It's just get outside and go do it. And we'll be right back with Jarrett to continue our conversation on Around Town on 89.1. Welcome back to Around Town. We're speaking with Jarrett Atkinson, the city manager for the city of Lubbock. For many years, Lubbock has been referred to as the hub city. I remember even looking at maps from decades ago that show a little hub-and-spoke model of how we connect to Clovis and New Mexico and the various areas. Have we become more or less of a hub city over time? Nick, I think you're right. Go back and look at the highway maps in the 1950s. Look at the highway maps today, and Lubbock is the hub. Got a giant network of spokes that come out kind of at 45-degree radials all the way around us. Are we still the hub city more than just in the sense of a map? And the answer to that to me is absolutely yes. This part of the state sees some of the same migration patterns that we see all across the state and in many ways all across the United States West. And that's where the larger cities grow to some extent as smaller cities, say 60 miles out, they shrink a bit. You see a lot of people generally, folks kind of toward the end of their careers or maybe new retirees that are coming and staying because of the access to a phenomenal medical complex. You also see shopping. We are that economic center for a gigantic area. For the sake of argument, the population of Lubbock County is about 320,000. Pretty common economic development data will tell you that, yes, that's correct, but our trade area is literally approaching a million people, down to the Permian, up to the Panhandle, and then east and west across both sides where we sit in the South Plains. Hard to ever nail it down exactly, but economists will tell you that somewhere in the high 40% range of all the sales tax collected in Lubbock was not paid by a Lubbock resident, which that's great because that means it didn't come out of our property tax base or that we had to add property tax. It's people that came for the opportunity that we had here, and they left something here to help us continue to provide that. One of the amenities spoken about Lubbock that we have that other communities might not have as much of is water. Talk a little bit about water and its relationship to Lubbock and the surrounding area. In 1957, the city of Lubbock made a substantial investment in groundwater rights. Groundwater rights that we still use today, large portion of which are still undeveloped today, which means the water is still there if we need it. The thing that fascinates me is we look both to today and we look towards the future. Lubbock is a semi-arid climate, big fancy term for we're almost the desert. We're not quite, but we're almost the desert. We've historically, all industry, 
whether it be our agriculture, hard industry, municipal use, residential use, it's all been groundwater. That changed in the late 1950s when Lake Meredith was constructed, north of Amarillo, sitting on the Canadian River. And the city of Lubbock became one of the 11 members of that cooperative group that brings water to us. Of the water that comes out of Lake Meredith, about 42% of that water is bound for Lubbock. Fast forward, we get up into the 90s and the very early 2000s, and Lake Allen Henry is built. In fact, I can wax poetic on Lake Allen Henry, the design of that lake, where they put it, the hydrology was just perfect. But we don't share Lake Allen Henry. Lubbock, our residents and our ratepayers bought and paid for that lake. And we get 100% of that benefit. Lake Allen Henry is fascinating because it is one of the only lakes in this part of the state that has actually filled and gone over and filled and gone over. So that's called a critical period when you're planning on lakes. There's not another lake in this part of the state that's ever gone over the critical period once. And our lake's done it twice. What is the next strategy that we implement for our future water supply? And it's what we call Lake 7. It's a new lake. We are becoming a place that for municipal, industrial, residential, for all those common uses, basically anything other than agriculture, we're moving ourselves off of that heavy reliance on groundwater. and We're becoming a surface water area. Now, if we were in the hill country, East Texas, that would be common and make sense. Not so common in West Texas. Carry that forward and look at Lake 7. Lake 7, in terms of its size, it's much smaller. Let's call it a third the size of Lake Allen Henry. What's fascinating about Lake 7 is certainly it will benefit from rains and from stormfall. And in fact, it's a chance for all of us Lubbock residents that have been paying stormwater fees, which went in roughly 20 years ago and we built all these pipes and we moved stuff and we send water to the canyon. All that will flow into the future Lake 7. Lake 7 is also a reuse lake. So we will take stream quality effluent out of our systems and put it in the lake, take it back out, treat it all over again, actually twice, and it goes back into our system. We have Loprino Foods, huge benefit that's coming into our economy, nearly a billion dollars of private investment, very unique. In round numbers, we will sell them about 1.3 million gallons of water a day, fresh water for their use. They will, at their cost and expense, then go through their process make their cheese, make the other products that come out of that, and bring us back 2 million gallons a day. That's all going to go right to Lake 7. That is 2 million gallons a day that was never in the original math for Lake 7, so it made it just better than it even already was. Lake 7 will be, it's called a closed-loop supply, as you can get from a lake. Absolutely, we want rainfall. We want all that to come in there. Never turn it down. Want more, want more. That lake will function and deliver water, though, even in the absence of our normal rains. As long as people are in Lubbock doing what people do, we will be able to put water in and we will be able to take water out. Its yield, the amount of water we take out of it, is about 60% of what you can take out of Lake Allen Henry. Economics of it begin to look just better and better and better. And I'll give one more fact. About 85% of the water that we will put into Lake 7 does not originate in that river basin. Really a neat thing and is going to help us take just one more leapfrog in having that available. We're already to the point, really in most parts of Texas, we talk about economic development. Economic development historically has been, okay, here's an incentive for you to bring your investment to our community. Maybe land, maybe some form of tax treatment. It may be here's so many dollars per job that you create and bring to us. We're already in the phase in Texas to where the currency, if you will, of economic development is water, more so than it is dollars. Will Lubbock be positioned well for that? We already are and will continue to be even more. Another topic that water here illuminates is about interactions between municipalities. 
I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about the recent agreement between Lubbock and the city of Wolferth when it comes to water. As we relate it to the Wolferth deal that was recently struck, where do the Wolferth residents shop? Where do they work? Where do they play? What we're selling them is a very reliable, very redundant, very safe supply that in no way causes us to fall short of meeting the needs we have of Lubbock itself. In fact, if you do the math at their highest flow rate compared to our highest flow rates, it's less than 3% of the system. When you think about Lubbock's water security, where do you peg it right now? We do have the 100-year water supply plan. Easiest way to think of a water plan is it's a checkbook. The deposits are those gallons that you have, and the withdrawals are those that you take out. Always want to have a balance left in that account. Using that analogy, our water supply is funded in terms of gallons of water to use. Number two, Lubbock has a very aggressive water conservation strategy. The gallon you don't use today is the absolute cheapest gallon that you have for tomorrow, period. When you build these water supply plans, you build them on, okay, here's our expected, our normal growth. Here's our accelerated growth. Then you have your conservation curve. And the conservation curve is below the normal. And it says, okay, if we all start reducing our average daily water use, we're going to hit that conservation curve. All any of those curves do is tell you the timing of when you develop that next supply. Lake 7 is the next supply. When do you develop it? Well, if you hit accelerated demand, it comes forward to you in a number of years. Normal, it fits right where you said it would fit. Conservation, you get to push it out. We are below our conservation line in terms of the growth of the demand on the system. And I didn't bring those numbers with me, but if you'll humor me, I'll get them really close. We use less water today than we did in 2011. 2011, drought of record, bad, bad year all across the state of Texas, even worse in West Texas. Yet, we're 12 years past that in terms of population growth, in terms of commercial growth, in terms of industrial growth, and we're using less total water. Why? Because of conservation. We need to be proud of that. We're being that good as consumers on a day-in, day-out basis. And we'll be right back with Jarrett to continue our conversation on Around Town on 89.1. Welcome back to Around Town. Our guest today is Jared Atkinson, the city manager for the city of Lubbock. I want to ask a more fundamental question about being a city manager. In Texas, a lot of folks have heard about this difference between a strong mayor city versus a council manager city. What are the differences there? What is the role of a city manager in a city like Lubbock? Good question. We'll do the first one first. You called out the strong mayor form of government. That is the traditional, more old-style system of trying to manage the business of a city. And in that, the mayor functions certainly as the presiding officer over the council. Mayor may not have a vote, just depending on how their charter was set up. They lead that council. They are the ultimate top of a city. They're the signatory authority, all of those types of things. In a strong mayor form of government, that mayor then also is the chief executive. So literally all of the operations of the city, so A to Z, airport, all the way down to zoning, every mechanical function of a city, managing over the water, the wastewater, all of that, all of those people involved in those various stacks report to the mayor, the mayor's executive. In the early 1900s, kind of that form of government for most cities, and certainly in Texas, Texas has had a very high adoption rate of council manager. That really fell out of favor. In a council manager form of government, 
the council collectively, mayor is a portion thereof, select and employ, they appoint is the word that is used, a city manager. So the city manager functions as that executive. Those day-to-day operations, those short-term, mid-term, long-term strategic plans, they all come up and down through the stack to the city manager. The day-to-day decisions on operations goes to the city manager, who then answers to and is responsible to the city council. Sometimes I get the privilege of talking to young kids at elementary school, and that's always one of the first questions. Are you a firefighter or a policeman? No, you're not. Okay, what is it that you do? Well, I'm a city manager. So what does the city manager do? One of the analogies I like to give those groups is, okay, let's think of the family that said, where are we going to go for vacation? Well, I don't know. We're going to go to the Alamo. Okay, great. We're all going to go to the Alamo. Now the question becomes, how are we going to get there? What's it going to cost us to get there? Who all needs to go? Are we inviting the grandkids? Are we taking the nephews and the nieces? Whatever that may be. In that analogy, the family is that city council. They're responsible to the voters. They are closest to the voters. They say, no, that is what we want to do. We need to find a way to get to the Alamo. Now it becomes the city manager's responsibility to sit down and work its way through the options and to come back and say, okay, here's three options. The preferred option, the one I would recommend to you because of X, Y, and Z, it's the quickest, it's the least cost, whatever that metric happens to be. We're going to drive both directions and we're going to stop in junction because they have great barbecue that we can get to on the way down or they have a gas station, whatever it may be. The manager's going to bring those things. He's going to plan them. He's going to cost them out. He's going to put together the details, go back to the council and say, you said get us to the Alamo. Here's how we would recommend going to the Alamo. They'll make that decision. We, myself and my team, have made those plans to get there. So that's kind of what the city manager does. I think one of the things that causes me to truly continue to enjoy doing this after the period of time I've done it, it is so varied what we do. How does one person do it? We don't. Roughly 2,345 of us. We have got a tremendous team that has bona fide experts in each and every one water experts in those wastewater and transportation and design engineers and all of the components. We get to put all that together, deliver that service every day. I like to tell new employees, we're working best when people don't know who you are or what you do. Why? Nobody that's in Lubbock, a resident or a visitor, nobody went through their day without receiving the benefit of something that the city did. Did you drive on the street? When you went to the intersection, did the traffic lights work properly or did we get a four-way green and bad things happened? Well, it didn't happen because there's city people sitting behind the wall that are making that work. You got up in the morning, you brushed your teeth, you took a shower, you got a drink, you might have flushed the commode. Hopefully that's no big deal. I mean, that's just part of living. You shouldn't have to worry and you, the public, shouldn't have to think about that. You should expect it to work and that's when our folks are doing the best. What is your philosophy for how to make a good decision, how to make a good choice for the city of Lubbock? I don't know that I've sat down and tried to write a book about that. I've read lots of books about that. To me, it's probably not as complicated as maybe it looks sometimes. We're going to gather all the facts. We are going to go through a process of verifying what I call truthing those facts. Yeah, we said this. Is that really correct or is that based on some other thing? Is it something that we can illustrate the cost and the benefit that we get from it? Local government does things because they're not profitable. They are not things that you would expect or want private industry to do. So there's very little to see that I'm ever going to get to bring forward. It says, look, if we do this, it's going to pay for itself and we'll get a 7% rate of return. And over a period of time, we're going to be able to buy the cost over here. It's not the kind of services a city does. Yes, things like water and wastewater fee-based services, they have got to pay for themselves. That's actually a component of state law. 
But think about public safety. Okay, I can tell you exactly what it costs when I add one net new police officer plus the training, plus the vehicle, plus the equipment. I can do that. I can tell you what one new fire truck with four new firefighters, associated training. We can tell you all that. I can't tell you what the rate of return is off of that. The rate of return is protecting the public safety. It's protecting lives and welfare and health. Not necessarily something a private business is going to do. Nobody wants the fire truck to roll up and somebody hops out with the credit card scanner. Do you want one truck today or do you want three? That's not a good model. That's why we have local government and that's what our people are so good at doing. I try to get it down to just as simple as I can get it. If those things can't be illustrated in a relatively short presentation and defended, probably wasn't a good recommendation. How would you describe the health of the city currently? I would say we're in very good shape. I will say we are better than some of the doom and the gloom that we read in the business press or that's going on around us nationally. Do I see Lubbock slowing down? Yeah, there's no question. And I can point to two metrics that tell me that. We have had two consecutive years where we permitted over 2,100 new homes, single-family homes in Lubbock. Two records. Boom, boom. Great. Huge. Lots of it going on. We will not hit 2,100 new single-family permits this year. It's not magic. There's a big difference in what you can afford at 3.5% interest and what you can afford at 7 It's not confusing as to why that is happening. Is it going to zero? No. It's going to go down into that 17-ish hundred range, maybe a little bit less, maybe a little bit more. But to put that into a way to look at it historically, Lubbock was doing great in 2017. That'll beat the 2017 numbers. It is not a disaster. It is a slowdown. Are there going to be segments that get hurt? Sure, there will be, and I hate that. Do I see it coming back pretty quickly? I do. Uh, Sales tax is the second metric, the velocity of money that is going through your community. We've had a five-year record on top of record on top of record, et cetera, et cetera, run with sales tax. It is beginning to slow. It is still above the budget line. I'm not in any way saying we're going to fall below budget. I just don't think we're going to have that huge step over the prior year and the prior year for that. We can compare all this to what we went through both in Lubbock and nationally, 2008, 2009, the Great Recession, the housing crisis, all of that stuff. We're way above all those curves right now. And let me close with one bit of really good news. We are on track to potentially have an all-time record year in commercial construction in Lubbock. All the opportunity we've talked about, all of our visitors, be they from out of Lubbock or even out of the state, they're still coming. And the commercial sector is responding to it. In 10 years, we will still be the hub city. In fact, we'll even be stronger. You will see those surrounding communities benefit even more from the growth in Lubbock. We mentioned several of them earlier. They're going to continue to reap that benefit. And that is not to Lubbock's detriment. That is also to Lubbock's benefit. We're in good shape. Jarrett, that's all the time that we have today. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you very much. Enjoyed to visit both of you. Thanks for listening to Around Town. I'm your host, Nick Bergfeld. This show was produced by Chuck Luck. Our guest today was Jared Atkinson, the city manager for the city of Lubbock. Join us next Friday morning at 9 a.m. on 89.1. For more information on Around Town or to listen to previous episodes, visit ttupublicmedia.org.